Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag. My name is Damo and Clarky is also here. G'day. This week's guest is a reporter for the Adelaide Advertiser, is a regular voice on the Phantom's Lair podcast. Most will know him as the hipster. It's Matt Turner. Thank you so much for being here. How are the pepinos going? <laughs> Thanks for having me, gents. It's, a, it's an honour to, to be on this uh, podcast. When I when I got the email the other day, I thought this is a dream come true to, to spread the hipster's uh, message across a rival, shall we say, podcast and um, and also just just point a, a few things out to, to the Phantom out there about maybe some little things that he's doing wrong. So, uh, yeah, pleasure to have me on and I appreciate it. Pepinos, which uh, is Spanish for cucumber, for those that, that wondered, has its own backstory. When I went traveling in Cuba, I won't go into that. Um, but uh, we're going okay. We're about 3,000. We were as high as... 1700 and uh, drifted back to 5000 but now I've come in a little bit. I would say rival, we're all friends. <laughs> no, that's true. That we we are one big community. It's just, it's one of those that uh, I said to the Phantom last night on our own show that if he's not careful the, the hipster might just spread his wings. I hate talking about myself in the third person. <laughs> I might just spread my wings and uh, you know start doing this on the reg with with other podcasters clarky we've have community members calling this the biggest collab since lincoln park and jay-z finally num encore has nothing to this kind of collab people will be talking about this for weeks at least matt people got very excited when we announced it and we got questions coming from all over this is probably one of the one of the most popular episodes that, that that we've done with all the questions that we've got in it's been one of the most popular twitter threads that that, that we've had just promoting this show so i don't think we should waste any time i think we should get stuck in and start answering them first one comes from jg on twitter caleb sarong or tom stewart yeah so well, I will say firstly that the popularity i did tell everyone in my family to start to get on Twitter and ask as many questions as they could. Every Basically everyone in my Facebook friends, Instagram followers to just hound you guys with questions. So it might have something to do with that. I, um, as for the question, there, I have said on the Phantom's Lair that I think my 2022 team would actually be going really, really well in 2023. Supercoach, correct me if I'm wrong, but Liam Baker's having a good year. Uh, Will Powers having a good year, and Caleb Sarong is having an awesome year. I would probably, in that circumstance, obviously it's relative to the rest of your team and 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 who else you've got in your defence and and um, and midfield. But look, I love a pod. Obviously, Caleb Sarong is still obviously more uh, left field than Stewart. And um, just on the 10% cutoff, I'd probably lean Sarong, to be perfectly honest. I think I'd, I'd probably agree with you just as well for the fact that even though Tom Stewart is still cheaper, he's got a break even of 129 um, coming up against Frio. And that could probably go one of two ways where it could be another sort of 110, 115 game for him or he could go quite large. Um 
as well as nailing in a performing midfielder before we're, we're still sort of trying to see what the Andrew Brayshaw effect mm. is at the moment. And Sarong seems to have sort of found a role that is alongside Andrew Brayshaw having good form. And if that continues, then I think it, it'd be a shame to not get on him while he's just over 600 and he's going to the moon. It's, you know, I like Caleb Sarong, obviously, as a Fremantle supporter, but if I was picking for my own team, I'd probably go for Tom Stewart just because it's been harder to bring in um, premium defenders throughout the season. I um, most That's where most of my rookies have resided over the last few, few weeks, so that's where I've had to focus my upgrades. So Tom Stewart probably personally, but I don't think you can go wrong with, with either selection. Seven games at GMHBA two to come as well, where he obviously scores really well. So, yeah, line ball, line ball call. Next question comes from Supercoach Mama, previous winner. Big name. Who is the best value premium to bring in? Will consider points of difference. Damo, I know you you spoke briefly. Uh, to me just earlier about one. So I'm not going to take that one from you, but I, I'd like to start by putting forward the Kellys, uh, either Tim or Josh, both relatively well-priced, just in the in the low 500s and doing really well. Tim Kelly is having a really good season. He's a natural ball winner through West Coast's depleted midfield. Um, he's running well with that group, even in games where they're getting absolutely smacked around the ears. And I think that's something that, I, like, I don't know how much longer we can ignore that. There's a couple of not so good scores in there, but, it, you know, if we're talking real, real pod vibes, Tim Kelly is there and Josh Kelly, obviously, I think he's, what can you say? He's the best midfielder at GWS. When he's on his good on his best day, even Tom Green and Stephen Canelio and Josh Kelly as a trio are just absolutely winning that. If you're getting Josh Kelly for low five, like five hundred thousand numbers, that's that's probably a net positive on the runs that he's having. You teased it, Clarky, so I, I I should probably talk about him. I don't know if he's a premium, but he's got a good he's got a fairly high floor, so. He's going to be reliable for you most weeks. And he was a premium a few years ago as well. Um, it's Jason Johannesson. Wow. 435K. He has only had a couple of scores below 70 for the year. And I th- it was round one. And I believe it might have been injury affected or um, the role wasn't there for him that he's got at the moment. He missed round two. And then round three, he returned to that role that wasn't really working. But he's been running off halfback. It's been that same role that he had back in 2016 when they had when they won the grand final again. So he, he's got a fairly safe floor, and that ceiling is is pretty high up there if he if he gets the ball on a string. So he's one that, to be honest, it takes a rookie off my field and, and brings someone in who's fairly reliable. Fairly reliable in the in the in the scoring department, and as a Freo supporter, I have to say Hayden Young's finding form again, and he's still pretty cheap. If people want to jump back on him, um, he's a obviously premium defender. If you want to call him a premium, if he's broken out, if you think he's broken out, five hundred and seven 
thousand defender, five game average of a hundred point two. Shopping in the same price range, Supercoach Mama. If you're looking for something that is a, that gives you a bit of ruck coverage, it's now the thing is, it obviously depends on what people are looking to do with Gorn um, and, and DPP and whatnot. But I made the case for this guy, even if Gorn gets DPP and you want to bring in Gorn or you want to bring in Darcy Cameron, why can't this guy just sit in your forward line anyway? And the fact that he's a ruck forward is just a nice little bonus. So are people aware that Jeremy Finlayson's got five hundreds in his last six games? <laughs> It's been it's it's been teasing me. It's I don't I don't know necessarily if I, I haven't had the guts to pull the trigger, but I think you're, you're absolutely correct to bring up his name and put some respect on it. I actually think we've mentioned him maybe the last three weeks at least once. <laughs> um, we were it first came on our radar from Patch when he pointed it out in the in in, in the Jock Reynolds chat, and then and I sort of said, oh, but it's Jeremy Finlayson. How long will he keep it up? And then he's he's kept it up. I mean, you you probably got to jump on the hot hand if you're if you're interested in him and 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 and, and ride the hot and, and just ride it from here. Just you know, he's going to have an odd like game where he scores thirty five, but they seem to like him in the middle there, and he and he gives them something different in the middle. He's very highly rated, not only down at Alberton, but I think the AFL ratings, the champion data, AFL rating stats, which suggest that. From sort of halfway through the back end of last season to now, he's one of the best ruckmen in the league, which is funny because I think he only averages about two hitouts a game. So he's sort of like an extra midfielder rather than a ruckman. But his nimbleness and um, uh, ability to go forward, kick goals, he should have probably kicked seven last week, really. He's three goals, five for a guy that's quite in a, in an accurate goal kicker normally. The only reservation with that one is they're obviously got the D's this week it might not be the week to bring him in um but i just i like him as a pot i like him as how he fits in that mix the i mean the other one that i am probably looking to bring in this week that i still think is great value is matty Rao at the gold coast some buy coverage for me given my lack of uh rookie options and Rao at 542 um was just a beast the other night. I think he still represents really good um, value for what he is too. Funny you mentioned Matt Rowell. We actually had a question asking if he was a player that we needed to seriously consider. And I guess the answer is yes. How, how can you not consider the King? Uh, with, with Took still listed as uh, TBC, on uh, Gold Coast entry list, there's there's no telling how long the gravy train is going to last. I think is probably the biggest. It, it you know what? It's the only real knock against him because if he's got that role, Matt Rowell's score 165. He had what 12 tackles in that game against West Coast in the game. 17 tackles. 17. Even even better. <laughs> um, against and like in a thrashing, like he just relentless effort. You know, and let's be honest, sometimes it's good just to bring in a player that you enjoy watching play. And I, I will watch every Gold Coast game just to see Matt Rowe. Yeah. I'll, like I said, I'm eyeing him this week. So, um, 
I'd probably not not to jump back too far, but hipster, I'd love to know your thoughts. So, has been some rumblings of Lysette possibly returning. So Finlayson benefiting from a little bit of additional ruck time to sort of even that split. Do we think Lysette affects that at all? Um, Charlie Dixon is going to be a possibly a game day decision. Um, for Port, even though, you know, they're saying he's tracking well, but what football club doesn't say their injury-affected player is tracking well. Um, no Todd Marshall as well, so that obviously keeps Finlayson, you know, in a job in that forward line. Do we think that affects his scoring this week? I think, I think like I was sort of hinting out at the end there, that he's probably, it's probably not the week to bring him in. He might be one of those guys that you, you, you look at him this week because... Lysette trained. I was at training this morning. Lysette trained with the uh, Powers A team, Tikal with the twos, which is interesting in itself because I know a few people that brought Tikal in hoping that there might be a little bit more to get out of him as that ruck cash cow. I think a few people out there actually have him at R2 at the moment. Shout out to Dan Batten from the Herald Sun. And, and obviously part of what's made um, Finlayson and Tegel a good combination for Port is they are so athletic and nimble. Lysette's more your old-school traditional ruckman. Um, they pulled him out of the SNFL team at three-quarter time, basically said, well, just in case we need you against Melbourne. So I think the fact that he was in the A-team today, the fact that they pulled him out, the fact that Tegel really hasn't gone so well against what I would call your quality, your top draw ruckman. Goldstein uh, thrashed him last week. Toby Nankervis last season. I think they go Lysette against the the more uh, the more experienced uh, duo. And then in terms of Dixon, I think that could affect Finlayson potentially this week as well. He didn't train today. It's not. I would have thought if you're carrying, if you're recovering from a quad strain. And you're also carrying a PCL soreness um, that you'd probably want to go through the main session for the week if you're <laughs> going to play a blockbuster Friday night game two days later. I, I think the whole, yeah, we'll see how he goes getting through Thursday training is probably a uh, uh, very optimistic view. I would think that he's not going to play and that, of course, affects Finlayson this week. I think Marshall, even if it is just Marshall or Dixon coming back next week, then Finlayson goes back to more that roaming role. But yeah, it's probably, the more I think about it, it is as much as I like him, it's probably not the week to bring him in. Juicy information there. Um, People will be interested to hear that. So, (laughs) so yeah, I know he's been on, I know Jeremy Finlayson has been on people's radars. So, uh, so maybe they need to wait until um, his price dips a bit, if it's, or have have a look this week, see how he goes with another ruckman in the Port Adelaide team. Got a break uh, even of eighty six, so um, you know that's kind of a, a 50-50. You know, given the way he's scoring, I think it's rated at about seventy six percent. If I just looked before, so yeah, it's that's juicy, juicy. We love it. And just to go back to Jeb's question, is Matt Rao one we need to seriously consider? Yes, he is. Um, I don't think much needs to be said about him. Other than that, he's going to be available for that 
for all the buy rounds really because it's he's just um because you got 16 teams playing in the one where it's just Geelong and Gold Coast and you still and it's still on your best 18 scores that get counted um I, so another reason to have a look at him I dare say in a week where we're dealing with Hopper's injury could be just an easy trade up you know to go to a, a Matt Rowell who we know has a role and we know has a, a key component and we know loves a tackle like it's very um Jack Viney-esque in terms of super coach scoring you know um just getting those ta- like tackles are just like worth their weight in gold so Matt Rowell's getting double digit tackles every week you know you're still going to get a decent floor from that We'll move on from there. John DJ fifty nine on Twitter. Who is the best rookie on the bubble this week? So, <laughs> yuck. Blake Blake Drury at North Melbourne. He scored seventeen on the weekend. <laughs> he said Harry best Sharp with Drury. Harry Sharp is one hundred twenty three k. But what is his job security like? Tom Berry. Is at the Suns again? What's his job security like? And this player is not on the bubble, but he had sub-affected scores, and he's been quite popular. Bailey Humphrey is also around the traps as well as someone who you could bring in at a about a two hundred k price as well. And then he's also not really on the bubble, but Campbell Chesser is a chance to return for. West Coast, so if you didn't start with him at the, in the beginning of the season and you're not trading him back in because I advise against that, um, he is another one to consider because he's probably going to have an expanded role given the state of West Coast's injury list. So of those, who's the best option? No. It's, it, it's, it, it's tough. <laughs> uh, I, don't lo- I don't particularly love any of them. Humphrey seems to have a, a role within Gold Coast, whether that be subble or, you know, on-field. At the moment, he seem, he has an on-field role and they're playing him and they're getting time into him. And he's not playing necessarily poorly from a football perspective. Um, you know, not fantastic, blow you out of the water, but, you know, he's had some really, you know, some really good efforts and good games in there. But... I think it seems like there is some long-term there. But after everybody jumped on Atkins last week, or people who jumped on Atkins last week might be, you know, a bit nervous to jump on another 200k Gold Coast, quote-unquote, rookie. Yeah, and, and it's one of those ones where at this stage of the season, going into buys, a lack of... Um, it's that real catch-22 or dilemma between... I need rookies playing to help with cash generation, but I don't want to spend heaps and heaps of money on a rookie. So that's the decision that I'm in this week where it's like, you know, I'd much prefer to bring in Tom Berry because he's 100000 cheaper than Bailey Humphrey. And I, you know, I've already got Blake Drury, sadly. I brought him in, I brought him in last week after one game. And then watched him uh, get a 17 on the weekend, uh, thankfully on on my interchange bench. Um, 
So I don't have that jury decision to make, but that was why I brought jury in because a hundred for a hundred thousand, it just looked too appetizing to bring him in because he was bargain basement. I watched just have this sick fascination with watching Gold Coast basically every week this year. And so <laughs> sometimes you just watch these teams more than others. Last year I was a Bulldogs guy, just seemed to catch him. This year I'm just all over the Suns. Humphrey was awesome the other night. So I, I would be shocked if he goes back to being a sub, if they sub him off, unless there's obviously a knock or an injury or management. On pure football, how he's playing, he, he just can't be the sub he subbed off in the next couple of weeks. That has to buy him multiple weeks, to me, uh, as someone who doesn't coach the Gold Coast Suns. Um, wh- whether that uh, is worth paying up 200 thousand for is a separate question and really comes down to your own money situation everything else he obviously helps provide buy cover uh again if you can sort of weave his way through there but i really like the look of him found plenty of it uh, was just i don't know he was hunting the footy i think he's he's the best player there but it just is going to come down to whether you're prepared to pay that extra 90 grand well i think the thing is as well if you if you put the conversation up to say you're willing to pay over two hundred thousand for as as a rookie price i still think there's some merit you could argue to save six thousand just literally as minimal as six thousand dollars and consider nevitt um had another reason, reasonable game in a game where Geelong weren't doing that great. They're playing Frio this week. A 71 from Nevitt last week. He's played four games. So he's only got, he's going on, gone up 67K so far. Um, break even of minus 25. Uh, and there seems to be a little bit of security because he keeps on getting games. I think it might be even just a wait for team sheets kind of scenario this week, unfortunately. Um, Francis Evans is still 145 if he plays again. I wouldn't pick him. Junior Real is back next week for Port. There you so go. Evans is your – he'll bump out of the side, I reckon, straight as, as soon as he's back. But I don't mind Nevitt. I like the look of him as a tall – he's a real rangy um, player. was sort of highly touted coming out of the draft. So I, I, I don't mind that. I, I hadn't even looked at him as a potential option because I thought he was out of – sort of that price range. But if you're looking at Humphrey, then you have to potentially look at Nevitt. And Ben, who was on the podcast last week from uh, Supercoach Insider, he mentioned that Nevitt was someone that Chris Scott spoke, um, t- talked about quite quite glowingly in the preseason. So um, they clearly rate him at uh, down at down at the Geelong. So... Um, Say down at Geelong, but it's probably more across for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, for me, yeah. <laughs> technically. Um, but uh, yeah, I I quite like the the, the Nevitt call, and, it's, and if you and as Matt says, if you're considering Bailey Humphrey, it's not too much of a difference if you think Mitch Nevitt is the safer play. And again, Gold Coast Geelong share that same buy, so if he can hold on through all the other buy rounds, you've got some some cover there. While we're on Geelong, um, I I don't know too much about them, but I'm wondering if either of you two have any thoughts about Oliver Dempsey. Two games, a 49 and a, once it loads, a 24. 
So it's, it's something. Just like yeah. Willie Rioli will push out Francis Evans, I imagine Brad Close, when he returns from suspension, will push out Oliver Dempsey. Oliver, is, does he play as a forward Dempsey? Yes. Is that affected yep. by Ollie Henry at all? His potential. A bit smaller, I think. Mm. Yeah. Hard to tell with Jolan. He came on as a sub against Adelaide um, the other week, which is hence the... 24, yeah. 24. Um, so, and then Close got suspended in that game for his tackle on Dawson, I think. And then, yeah, Close potentially coming back, or he Close will come back in, whether that shifts him out or not. I think that's probably a risky play. Yeah, um, and as like Dog mentioned on the main podcast, I'd like to throw in the man, the myth, the legend, Will Gould. Uh, <laughs> played three games, is 141,000. If named again, be part of history. And still no Tom McCartan. He is ruled out again this week. But how long will Will Gould stay in that team? Because Dane Rampey is still a few weeks away. We don't know what's happening with Tom McCartan. We Obviously, we Paddy McCartan is still there dealing with his dealing with his thing. So they're a bit down on key defenders. Sydney do play North this week as well. Yeah, um, and North do have quite a tall forward line as well. There's no one that loves Will Gould in the history of Supercoach than the Phantom. Like we we as soon as he was actually selected on. On field, we said, surely you got to bring him in, fam. Uh, because I was there for his for his debut against Richmond during Gather Round. I'm, I'm half convinced that the AFL might have thrown Gather Round in Adelaide just so that people could come watch Will Gould plays, uh, play AFL footy for the first time. He's, again, he's scoring. It feels like his scoring should be more than what it is, like, Having seen him come through the ranks playing senior footy at Glenelg as a 17-year-old, he had the hallmarks of a young Shannon Hearn, who's one of my supercoach favourites over the years, and it hasn't been reflected necessarily in his scoring. But uh, as mentioned, the opportunities in Sydney's back line, which is uh, depleted at the moment, suggest that job security should be okay. It's just a matter of Kenny actually pick up his scoring from where it actually is at the moment. Um, that's probably the key with him. Otherwise, you're obviously not going to get too much of a bump up in his price. Well, that's <laughs> those are the options. I wouldn't say any of them are particularly the best. No. I'm anti-Harry Sharp just because he burnt me last year when he was still doing his year 12 exams. And he and he came in for two games or whatever it was at the start of the year, and I thought this kid he just looks so, he just looks so young when I saw him, and I, I think I picked him without looking at what he looked like, and then uh, when he, as soon as I saw him, I thought this kid, surely in a premiership contending team he's not going to stay in the team, and sure enough he was out. So I'm not sure even twelve months on whether I'll, I'm willing to trust him will go down that path again of the rookie burn from 2022. Yeah, that 
hear that community. It's a vendetta. It's 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 that I can't trust players that are completing their HSC or whatever whatever it's called in the Eastern States. <laughs> the high school thing for me, I, I, I should avoid them, even though he's probably graduated by now. Next question comes from Benji, and we're still going to be talking about rookies because he wants to know which rookies are we playing on field this week. Cool. Well, let's see what's available. <laughs> um, I think you have to play if you have still have Wilmot. Go. Um, the Lions love playing at the Gabba, and you saw that last week from Wilmot scoring, dropping a seventy-five after a couple weeks of sixty-three, fifty, and a thirty-nine. Um, the 63 was actually at the Gabba as well. So, yeah, the two poor scores in his last four have been away from the Gabba. So keep him for the Q clash if you don't have to get rid of him right now. Um, same with Will Ashcroft. Um, if you count him as a rookie, though, those would be my sort of locks of the week. Um, Sam Simpson as well has just been getting it done. He's getting a good patch of games in um, and scoring reasonably. I think he's perfectly fieldable if he can hit 65 to 70. I also quite like um, Seamus Mitchell against West Coast um, down in Tasmania. And even Josh Weddle, if you jumped on him as well, he's someone else to consider um, putting on field if there's a spot, if, if you haven't completed your back line already. Yeah. Jury over Weddle. Mark that down in my uh, great mistakes of, of the year. <laughs> I think Weddle definitely an option, but Mitchell, I've got to say, who knows what was um, obviously going on in terms of whether he was sore or anything. But I was shocked Seamus Mitchell was subbed the week before last. I thought he, he there's something about him. He just looks a he looks a player, and his ability in the game within the game to be a defensive forward switch if players have got Zebel and they've got. Um, Sheasel is very handy, and I just like the look of him. So um, definitely, I would I would consider fielding him on field um, if you if you need to, particularly in that matchup. Without saying anything too controversial, I think you don't get yourself a Harley Reid without cracking a few eggs, <laughs> cracking a few subs. Um, no, I think you're right. Seamus Mitchell looks looks fantastic. Like once again, it's a player who. You get to go out there. You go. I've got him on my super coach team, and you watch him, and you go, "I like what. I like that. That's good. That's good watching in terms of football." So I think, yeah, perfectly fieldable this week. Sometimes the eye test with a player. I said this on last night's part of ours. Sometimes the eye test of a player tells you more than stats, and that's why it's just obviously imperative that you that. If you love watching footy, not everyone that um, plays to loves watching footy, but if you do love watching footy, to watch as much footy as you can and your family allows um, to do because you can see little things. Like a few weeks ago, Jordan Degoe, he against the Crows, pumped out a bad score, but you could just tell that he was playing really, really well. Six frees against, a big scores around the corner, sure enough on the weekend and it was the same with the Mitchell subbing out. I just you can tell there's a good player there. Um so I think uh he's a he's a name to watch. I can't think of, I don't think I'd be fielding either Hollands or Sincotta if you've got him 
Um, no, I'm just not confident in Carlton. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to. So I, I'd probably be avoiding them unless you have worse options. I don't mind fielding someone like a Sincotta because the Giants um, halfbacks did actually score okay um, against Collingwood on Sunday uh, afternoon, but it's it, it's hard to trust anyone from Carlton at the moment given the form that they're in. So I I I don't think it's a disaster if you need to have him on field, but if you can avoid having him on field, I think you could you, you should go for your other option. Um, rookies are so hard though yeah. like like all these players that we've said to have on field will now probably score 30 points collectively and, who, and whoever you don't field is going to score 150 yeah. so Alwyn Davey avoid if you haven't gotten rid of him Connor McKenna I'd probably say a 35 is to be generous to Connor McKenna I think that's an anomaly um, but also he doesn't look like he's been at that form that we know that he has in him. Drury, a 17, I just don't, like, I don't think you want to risk it uh, unless you have some kind of loop fund that you want to do with that. Oscar Baker, if you're still holding him in 30% of teams, a 58, he'll probably score about a 58 again, as he's been doing all year. Nicholas Madden is finally off the injury list, but he will not be playing, uh, owned in 29.8% of teams. Campbell Chesser, if he is playing, probably don't field him. Um, we don't know what that's going to look like, and he didn't score that well beforehand. Uh, Lockie Cowan in 24% of teams. Carlton. Filippo, 43. Maybe I wouldn't. Uh, the list goes on. Jacob Van Ruyen against Port. Maybe mm. if you feel like rolling the dice, it's a Friday night, chuck an emergency on him and use your loop. Um Sam Simpson, we've covered. Holland's, we've covered. Cam McKenzie is back. Uh, if you are still one of the 16.4% of owners who have him, probably not. I would probably field Mitchell or Weddle over him. And if you still have Ruben Jinby, I would also I would field him against um, the Hawks, probably. Ruben Jinby is... I regret trading him because he is very good at football. I needed to do it at the time, and my team is technically better overall, but I regret doing it. So if you still have him, play him. Give him give him some field time. He had a real rough run for five rounds. He went 40, 51, 62, 39, 61, but then just looked awesome against the Suns the other night. So he's going to be a star of the competition, future Supercoach star too. But uh, uh, unfortunately, the Pinos parted ways with young Ruben. Yeah, I think mine was around the time I saw that West Coast gave him the run with roll on Clary. And I was like, nope, if you're doing this every week, you know, that's not good for you. Or it's fine for you football-wise because, hell, when is a young kid playing on Clayton Oliver not going to be beneficial for him to learn some stuff? But super coach wise that's kind of the end there. But I think we've covered off a lot of the the rookies that are well-owned yep. in that. I think we can move on to some premium scorers now or what's supposed, or supposed to be premium scorers anyway. Fraser Kenny wants to know what he should do with Jack McRae. I think you hold on to him because there's every chance he gets dual position when they roll out um, in a couple of weeks' time. So I know he's not scoring, you know, those high-end midfield premium numbers right now, but if he gets... 
if if he gets that forward eligibility, he's going to be one of the top forwards for the season based on on his average. So I think you hold on to him, and then if he doesn't get forward positional forward position in a couple of weeks, then that's when you make your decision later. But I think he's honestly, if if he's your biggest issue, then your team's going all right. There's a couple of sour, like those sour scores from the last couple of weeks are in the eighties. And I think if you've held this long to the point where he's lost 80 K, so you bought him at just at, you know, what's that? 630 give or take. And you've held him all the way down to 550. It's probably worth holding for the DPP at this stage, or just for the off chance that he does get back to those mid minutes. I think it's, it's a matter of role and not skill. It's amazing he's only in 10% of teams. Uh, uh, like obviously on form, that's probably all that it warrants, but it's just, this is a, this is a former super coach legend. Like in terms mm. of in recent, recent years, this was a, just a lay down Jack McRae, he'll give you 120 sort of operator. So it is a little bit of a, a shock in some ways to see him in that, but you know, the, Bevo obviously always throws the magnets around and Jack McRae, Bont's benefited, Libba's benefited, Jack McRae's gone a little bit downward. But again, you know, the point made just before, it's not a disaster, 96, 88, 81. Try having Dylan Moore as a premium. <laughs> I've still got Dylan Moore right now and he's popping out 40s. You know, that that's a disaster. When... when when McRae starts popping out 40s, then you can start thinking about trading him. I wouldn't be doing that right now. Blake on Twitter wants to know, is it worth bringing in Cripps or Neil? I like Neil. I saw yeah. a semi-regret not getting him last week when I traded up to get traded Chandler to Luke Ryan, which like should be, should be totally fine, but Luke Ryan just didn't adjust to playing for the Pepinos. It's a different, um, you know, it's a different, we play a bit different brand of footy and he just scored his lowest score for the year for with an 85. Uh, look, Neil's out of 63 and a 76 in his past four weeks, but it's locking Neil. I can't, I can't imagine that Dunkley's just suddenly taken that much ball away or whatever, that he's going to be a, a lowish scorer for the, the rest of the season. I think he's really good value. Uh, people that listen to the Phantom's Lair pod would know that my history with Patrick Cripps is horrific, that I'm just never going... I'm going to make a call. I'm, I'm not going there ever again. He could score 200s, like double hundreds in consecutive weeks, and I'm, I'm off him. So he's not one for me personally, uh, but Lockie Neal, I like it. Lockie Neal's break even is still quite high after that 63. So there's a chance that after this week you could get him even cheaper than he is now. So, uh, but again, he comes up against Gold Coast who aren't pushovers anymore, but you could have another look at him and see how far his price drops and his price probably won't move that far from where it is, even if he does make his break even. That's the smart move, I think. Yeah, and looking at Brisbane's overall run, we said before 
um, how much they like playing at the Gabba. Looking at it here, they've only got six more games that aren't at the Gabba for the rest of the year. Wow. So that's, you know, probably something to consider because as well as his run coming up. So they've got Gold Coast, Adelaide, Hawthorne, Sydney, St. Kilda, Richmond, West Coast. So the next real couple of tests based on the ladder as it is now is, you know, Gold Coast, as we said, not pushovers anymore, but I reckon Brisbane on form have probably been stronger. Adelaide and Adelaide Oval is always a tough matchup, but Hawthorne and current Sydney, uh, pretty easy beat-ups. St. Kilda, probably another easy beat-up for Brisbane. Um, So they don't really play anyone until round 18 in Melbourne. And then 19 in Geelong. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a good favourable run coming up if it suits your buy structure. It's probably something that we haven't touched on, but it's probably it's probably around about a time we need to start thinking about it. <laughs> a couple rounds out, because I don't know about you guys. Um, you know, when I'm looking at this week, obviously, as we said, Hop is one of the big topics. What what are we doing with that in terms of we need to start thinking about how's that going to look for the coming weeks, which is why Raul makes so much sense for a lot of people, um, you know, as well as any Geelong players that you want to consider. So I think it's probably time as well, like if you can hold off and do something that suits your buy structure or gives you a little bit of security coming into those first couple of rounds, maybe that's the better play rather than Neil, but I wouldn't be touching Krebs either. Yeah, no, I, I think Neil's the better option and I'd probably be waiting a week just to see to see if his price gets any lower. Second last question. Can we really consider Darcy Moore? That comes from Zoe on Twitter. Last four scores of 101, 111, 112, 110... My only query is, is is Jeremy Howe said on AFL 360 a few weeks ago that he was due back soonish. He didn't give a timeline, but he said he was hoping to be back before Collingwood's buy. Interesting one. It's a real interesting one. And um, look... I've normally set myself a bit of set like a three. If you get three tons in a row as a pod, then that's you, you've you've crossed the, the threshold. You've you've uh, you're not just a flash in the pan to me. If you get four in a row, that that's like a, okay. What, what's what's going on? What's going on here? And that's where he's at. I mean, we got the the, the luxury or the the beauty of being able to watch him absolutely dominate in that game against the Crows. It was a thriller over here. He's, I'm convinced he might be related to Inspector Gadget because he's got an ability to to get to balls that few other players can, maybe either that or an octopus, because he's just got a reach that I love. He He's such a smart player. He's only got two scores for the year under 70 and one's a 68. So only one real shocker, 45 against Richmond in round three, the four tons in a row and his other scores are 88, 68, 85, 92. It would be bold because of it's Darcy Moore. We haven't considered him in that sort of light 
Jeremy Howe, as mentioned, coming uh, into the mix again at some point soon. But, geez, at, at 5.02, it's, it would – I like the logic behind it and the scoring. Part of me wishes I thought of it myself, other than liking his scoring, actually went ahead and did it myself because that's real up my alley. I have – been a Darcy Moore fan ever since he did a swear on TV uh, in the Essendon game Um, and him scoring well in Supercoach is probably just a cherry on top Um, he's playing a bit more free in that Collingwood back line as well so he's not quite locking down he's you know able to use that ball and they're looking for him to sort of you know lead from the back Um, the only real problem that I have isn't necessarily a problem with him but it's you know, most people in defense that I've seen, we're already at, you know, if you include people who have Will Day, which is quite a lot of people have traded in Will Day and he's sitting in your mids, eventually the intention is for him to go back. If you have Zeeble in your forward line or Sheasel in your forward line, eventually the intention is probably for him to sit as a defender and then bring in a premium forward when whoever that is that presents themselves. So, it's hard for me to try and cram one more delicious defender into Supercoach's already bloated defender hole. Um, like I, it just how do we how do we find the positioning to be able to slot that in? Like, does that mean then if I want to bring in Darcy Moore, that I just have to accept? You know, Cheezel is a forward forever. This is how it is. Will Day is a midfielder forever, and then that takes away structurally from say jumping on. You know, as we spoke about before, a Matt Rowe, a Caleb Sarong, an Andy Brayshaw, a Josh Kelly. Like, you know, it's it's not going to be for everyone. I like the move personally, though. I think he's somebody that we should all be considering if you're looking for a really cheap option. I like Darcy Moore, and this season has taught me one thing. It's don't question it. If they're scoring well, just take it because there are so many players who aren't scoring well that we thought would score well. And it feels like the tides are changing. It feels like the tides are moving in a different direction and we're going to get a new suite of high-end premium scorers that we just need to accept and move on. Hipster, I don't know if you're in the same boat while we're talking about the tides turning. Just uh, this isn't necessarily a question related, but just probably like a bit of a shout out. Errol Goulden, not too long ago, I was looking at trading that little salty boy out because he just didn't quite have the CBAs. They were dropping. He wasn't scoring. And for those that held on to him, he's really come good. Like, you know, like Damo holding on to his super coach. He's making a run for it now. It's, you know, the tides turn all the time. I think, you know, if you guys... Yeah, can agree. It's it's a matter of swings and roundabouts. There's, I said, there's no bigger Will Gould fan in the Supercoach world than the Phantom. There's no bigger Errol Goulden fan in the Supercoach world than the Phantom. He's been on him since his draft year. He loves him. So uh, it's one of those ones where I, I, I picked him as much out of anything that he thinking that I just didn't want to cop the wrath if if he did well and I knew fan to be in my ear every five minutes. So 
despite Sydney's <laughs> woes, a lot of which are midfield woes, Gordon is obviously still scoring really, really well. And I think that's just because he's he's a super coach jet or, or on his way to becoming that. Not quite as consistent, obviously, that 47 in uh, Geelong. But, but let's write out that game as a... They were so bad that night at, at the Cattery. Let's just pretend that game didn't exist. His lowest other score for the year is an 85. His second lowest score for the year other than that is an 88. The rest are hundreds. So he's actually been awesome apart from one game where the whole team was shizen. It's, uh, it, made, it filled me with joy seeing people bringing him in last week after me holding through the hard times. And he was actually had gone up in price after dropping about 20k. He'd made all that back and then a little bit more. So a bit of sweetness on that one. Exactly. Last question for the day or this part, I should say. Who is our vice captain and captain this week? You probably have to look at Clayton Oliver, Max Gorn, or Christian Petrarca for Friday night. I'd probably say Gorn, Oliver, Petrarca in that order if you're considering any of the three of them. I like Bontempelli against the Crows. Um, I also like Josh Dunkley against the Suns as another option. And... Or Essendon, they don't have Parrish, and Setterfield is now out with a broken foot or something, and so Tim Taranto is someone else who is going is, is going to get m- more time in the midfield without Hopper, who's going to have more responsibility and won't have to compete with those Essendon midfielders because they're only only Zach Merritt is fit at the moment, so it's a whole bunch of part timers alongside Zach Merritt in there. I convinced myself for a solid five seconds there that you were about to say Ben Hobbs, (laughs) which, (laughs) you know, why not? Um, Goulden. Goulden is a solid VC option, I think. The only downside is that he plays really close to Bontempelli, um, so you're pretty much torn between picking Clary, Bontempelli, Goulden, and you'd probably pick Clary or Bont over that. Um, I think a solid C option this week, Rowan Marshall. Rowan Marshall, even Nick Dacos, again, he, um, he's someone who you could consider. And I actually don't mind the idea of James Sicily against West Coast. Really? I mean, Sean Darcy turns a big regrets out of my season. Uh Jumping off Sean Darcy after his 41 in round two, probably not the wisest move considering since then he's had four scores of 130 or more. Um, I think that's something that uh, I would consider if I still had him. But for me, we've reached a part of the season for me where it's just like, if I'm, don't get too tricky with it. Just, Clayton Oliver at Adelaide Oval where, look, there's some statues outside Adelaide Oval of some South Australian football greats. If there's ever a statue made of Adelaide at Adelaide Oval of a bloke purely because of what he does on the supercoach field, 
Then Clayton Oliver, let's go through it. 2020, round 10, Adelaide Oval, 205. Round 11, Adelaide Oval, Clayton Oliver, 137. 2021, Adelaide Oval, round 10, 204. Round 17, that year, 118. Last year, 68. I don't know what happened that night. Maybe he had the, the flu, he was playing with the corky or something. Round 16, 176. Clayton Oliver at Adelaide Oval, something happens to him there. Like, he, he just becomes superhuman. There is no way that I am not VCing Clayton Oliver at Adelaide Oval on Friday night. And then I think into Bont because his name is like it's, it's the Bont. You know, a bad score for the Bont was 112. I'm putting the VC on Clayton Oliver. And then if he doesn't work out, I will decide after that. But it's probably going to be one of Bontempelli or Josh Dunkley that gets the C if Clayton Oliver doesn't work out um, for my team. I think at the moment, I have to be honest, I do have the VC on Goulden. Uh, I just think with Mills out, uh, it's a it's a real shout for Warner and Goulden to get the keys to the kingdom and just run it against you know, against North. So that's where I'm at at the moment. And then I've got the, the C on Rowan Marshall against GWS. I think you should towel up pretty, pretty comfortably against old Flynn. And the saints will want to um, respond after Adelaide Crows absolutely thrashed them last week. So they, there will be some responses from some players and hopefully Rowan Marshall is one of them. That's all the questions for today. Matt, thanks to you for joining the mailbag. Great to have you on. Really appreciate it, guys. A lot of fun. So uh, thanks for having me. And Clarky, thank you again for being here. Thank you, Damo. And uh, Hipster, it's thank you so much uh, for coming on. It's truly been an honour uh, to meet with the man who has me calling Jack Billings sour milk forever <laughs> and have absolutely nobody understand why. I, I hope I never run into Jack Billings. Uh, I, I'm hoping no one's ever brought this up with Jack because it's, you know, we used to call Jack Billings sour milk and the bloke that we used to call, I used to call uh, uh, Rotten Eggs was um, the bloke that ended up winning a Norm Smith medal in 2021 is now one of the best players in competition, Christian Petrarca. So <laughs> we spoke about tides turning before. One of the great tide turns is Rotten Eggs turning into one of the great midfielders of the competition. So, turning into yeah. a golden one. <laughs> Look, uh, like I said, it's been a pleasure and, um, yeah, a lot of fun. If you have a question you'd like answered on the next episode, all you have to do is tag your question with Jock Mailbag on social media or send an email to jockmailbag at gmail.com and we'll talk next time.